0: Hey everyone, and welcome back to episode 12 of Quick Cuts, of plastic surgery podcast. This week, I'm excited to announce that I'll be partnering with theplasticsfella.com, where you can now find my entire audio library, along with other evidence-based resources for plastic surgery learners. With that said, let's jump into this week's topic of discussion, cleft lip. We'll start with a review of embryology and anatomy to describe how cleft lips occur. The cleft lip and nasal deformity results from failed fusion of the medial nasal prominence, with the ipsilateral maxillary prominence, which occurs between weeks 4 and 10 of development. This can occur in a unilateral or bilateral fashion and results in the malposition of several key anatomic structures. The orbicularis oris muscle, which originates at the bilateral oral modioli and normally inserts on both the philtrum and anterior nasal spine, now inserts abnormally as it is unable to cross the cleft defect. In addition to clefting of the lip, characteristic nasal deformities are also observed. The abnormal insertion of the orbicularis oris can cause lateral, posterior, and inferior displacement of the cleft side alar base and piriform margin. The lower lateral cartilages of the nose can also be deformed, with the cleft side cartilages featuring obtuse domal angles with short medial crura and long flat lateral crura. Similarly, the nasal columella is short in cleft patients and particularly so in bilateral clefts. In unilateral clefts, the columella will deviate along with the caudal end of the septum towards the non-cleft side. When clefting involves the alveolus, you may also see over-projection of the premaxillary segment and or collapse of the lateral alveolar segment. We'll talk next about evaluation and management of the cleft lip patient. Cleft lip management requires a multidisciplinary team approach. Important considerations in the history should include any medical comorbidities that signal syndromic associations or a need for genetic testing. Another similar consideration would be any history of craniofacial anomalies in family members. You should also ask about the patient's ability to feed and their growth history. Oftentimes, these children will require specialized bottles to assist with poor suck, such as a Haberman device or pigeon nipple. On physical exam, you should describe the cleft deformity. Clefts can be unilateral or bilateral, complete or incomplete. Incomplete clefts are distinguished by an intact nasal sill. Sometimes, in an otherwise complete cleft, there's a small band of tissue bridging the cleft segments, and this is referred to as a Simonart band. The mildest form of an incomplete cleft is referred to as a microform cleft, and is distinguished by notching and or vertical scarring of the lip, with variable effects on the lip height and nasal deformity. In addition to evaluating the lip, your exam should also include assessment for clefting of the alveolus and palate. Treatment of the cleft lip often begins before the definitive surgical repair. Pre-surgical molding, sometimes referred to as infant orthopedics, has become an increasingly popular method of narrowing the cleft and optimizing the position of the lip, alveolus, and in some cases nostrils prior to surgery. This can be accomplished using several techniques, the most popular of these is nasoalveolar molding, or NAM, which is a passive molding device. Although it requires frequent adjustments, it has the benefit of simultaneously molding the nose along with the lip and alveolus. Lip taping is an alternative but less frequently used option for passive molding. Active molding can also be performed, with the use of a latham device, and while this produces changes more rapidly, there are some concerns regarding negative impact on maxillary growth. One of the drawbacks to pre surgical molding is that it's time intensive, requiring frequent visits and access to clinicians with expertise in infant orthodontics. If these requirements are prohibitive for a patient, surgical lip adhesion can be performed as an alternative to the molding devices. Lip adhesion involves a preliminary repair of the skin and muscle prior to the definitive repair. The aligned soft tissues then help to shape the alveolus. The definitive cleft lip repair, known as chyloplasty, is commonly performed between 3 and 6 months of age. There are numerous techniques described for a repair of both unilateral and bilateral clefts, and detailed descriptions are beyond the scope of today's podcast. Modern techniques for unilateral repair typically fall into the category of either rotation advancement or geometric style repairs. In both unilateral and bilateral lip repairs, goals of surgery include restoring lip symmetry and height, restoring normal nasal anatomy, and restoring muscular continuity. Surgical adjuncts to lip repair, which can be performed simultaneously although not mandatory, may include primary cleft rhinoplasty and or gingival Postoperative care may involve lip taping and or nasal stents. Elbow immobilizers should also be used to keep the patient's hands out of their mouth. Complications of lip repair may include dehiscence of the lip, bleeding, and infection. And in bilateral repairs, ischemia of the prolabial segment may also be possible. And that ends our discussion on cleft flip. Hope you're enjoying the podcast. Feel free to subscribe so you don't miss new episodes. You can now find my entire audio library, along with other great online plastic surgery resources, at theplasticsfella.com. You can reach me about the podcast for questions, suggestions, or feedback at jakemarksmd at gmail.com. Otherwise, you can find me on Instagram or Twitter at jakemarksmd. Thanks for listening. See you next time.